Dr. New Poetry Dr. New Poetry Corner So today's poet is Elizabeth Barrett Browning and she's part of the Romantic movement. Uh, she was born in 1806 in England and um, <clears throat> uh, eldest of 12 uh, from memory and she widely read of the poetry of the time and um, she started gaining attention for her works um, when she was about 24. Uh, she continued to live with her father um, and she um, was popular uh, in both England and America at the time. So um, she was also um, a strong um, uh, social, had a strong social conscience um, and her work was um, quite political, um, particularly um, around uh, the, uh, I guess, women, uh, I guess, women's issues. And um, she had a connection um, with um, uh, Italy and she was, um, she, she had a lot of sympathy for the unification of Italy that was occurring, um, the, the fight that was occurring at the time. Um, and um, also, uh, uh, issues such as uh, child labour, um, slavery and um, various number of social injustices. So, um, and she didn't care that that made her less popular. She um, was certainly um, well known around Europe uh, and um, is considered one of the seminal poets of her time. She, um, she died in 1861. How Do I Love Thee by Elizabeth Barrett Browning How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely, as men strive for right. I love thee purely, as they turn from praise. I love with a passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love that I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath smiles, tears of all my life, and, if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. Human Life's Mysteries by Elizabeth Barrett Browning We sow the glebe, we reap the corn, we build the house where we may rest, and then at moments suddenly we look up to the great wide sky inquiring wherefore we were born for earnest or for jest the senses folding thick and dark about the stifled soul within we guess diviner things beyond and yearn to them with yearning fond we strike out blindly to a mark believed in but not seen 
we vibrate to the pant and thrill wherewith eternity has curled in serpent twine about God's seat while freshening upward to his feet. In gradual growth, his full-leaved will expands from world to world. And in the tumult and excess of act and passion under sun, we sometimes hear, O oh, soft and far, as silver star did touch with star, the kiss of peace and righteousness through all things that are done. God keeps his holy mysteries just on the outside of man's dream. In dire pace and slow we think to hear their pinions rise and sink while they float pure beneath his eyes like swans adown a stream. Abstractions, are they from the forms of his great beauty? Exaltations from his great glory? Strong provisions of what we shall be, intuitions of what we are in calms and storms beyond our peace and passions. Things nameless which in passing so do stroke us with a subtle grace. We say who passes, they are dumb. We cannot see them go or come, their touches fall soft cold as snow upon a blind man's face. Yet touching so they draw above our common thoughts to heaven unknown our daily joy and pain advance to a divine significance our human love our mortal love that light is not our own and sometimes horror chills our blood to be so near such mystic things and we wrap around us for defence our purple manners moods of sense as angels from the face of god stand hidden in their wings and sometimes through life's heavy swound we go grope for them with strangled breath we stretch our hands abroad and try to reach them in our agony and widen so the broad life wound which soon is large enough for death. Dr. New, poetry, Dr. New, poetry corner. Today we're looking at uh, sonnets. Now sonnets are a particular form uh, that use iambic pentameter and uh, what that means is that it has uh, five metrical feet, um, each consisting of one short, unstressed syllable, uh, followed by one long or stressed syllable. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, essentially, pentameter um, refers to the number of beats. It's used in a lot of Elizabethan poetry and verse drama, such as Shakespeare. And um, it's measured in small groups of syllables called feet. Um, and iambic refers to the type of foot that is used, um, in which uh, you have that unstressed syllable followed by a stressed syllable. Uh, and pentameter is literally... Uh, penta uh, meaning five and meter meaning measures. Uh, so uh, today we're going to look at a number of sonnets. We are of course going to look at William Shakespeare uh, uh, sonnets and pick a few of my favourite sonnets uh, and look at a few other uh, poets as well.
So just a little word on sonnets. Sonnets have a really specific form and it is in rhyming A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, G, G. Uh, and uh, they're written in iambic pentameter. Uh, and uh, the poetic meter is 10 beats per line um, uh, alternating and um, unstressed and stressed syllables. Who will believe my verse in time to come if it were filled with your most high deserts? Though yet heaven knows it is but as a tomb which hides your life and shows not half your parts. If I could write the beauty of your eyes and in fresh numbers number all your graces, the age to come would say this poet lies. Such heavenly touches ne'er touched earthly faces. So should my papers, yellowed with their age, be scorned like old men of less truth than tongue, and your true rights be termed a poet's rage and stretched metre of an antique song. But with some child of yours alive that time, you should live twice in it and in my rhyme. Say that thou didst forsake me for some fault, and I will comment upon that offence. Speak of my lameness, and I straight will halt against thy reasons, making no defence. Thou canst not, love, disgrace me half so ill to set a form upon desired change, as I'll myself disgrace, knowing thy will. I will acquaintance strangle and look strange, be absent from thy walks and in my tongue. Thy sweet beloved name no more shall dwell, lest I, too much profane, should do it wrong. And haply of our old acquaintance tell, for thee, against myself, I'll vow debate, for I must ne'er love him whom thou dost hate. Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou think'st thou dost overthrow, die not, poor death, nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep, which by thy pictures be, much pleasure, then from thee much more must flow, and soonst our best men with thee do go. Rest of their bones, and soul's delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dust with poison, war, and sickness dwell. And poppies or charms can make us sleep as well, and better than thy stroke. Why swell'st thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. So that was our poetry corner on sonnets, and really all of those sonnets came from the late 16th century. And I hope you enjoyed 
the sonnets of Sir Philip Sidney, William Shakespeare and John Donne. Uh, and no doubt well, we will revisit them, particularly when we come to uh, William Wordsworth. So, signing off for now. Dr. New, poetry, Dr. New, poetry corner. Just a short one tonight, and I'm going to do some yeats, yeats. Depends on where you're from, on how you pronounce it, I guess. So, uh, here goes. I hear the shadowy horses, their long manes a-shake, their hooves heavy with tumult, their eyes glimmering white. The north unfolds above them, clinging, creeping night. The east her hidden joy before the morning break. The west weeps in pale dew and sighs, passing away. The south is pouring down roses of crimson fire. O oh, vanity of sleep, hope, dream, Endless desire, the horses of disaster plunge in the heavy clay. Beloved, let your eyes half close and your heart beat over my heart and your hair fall over my breast, drowning love's lonely hour in deep twilight of rest and hiding their tossing manes and their tumultuous feet. So I came across that poem in an episode of The Leftovers. Now, as much as The Leftovers might sound like something of a cooking show, it's actually a really cool science fiction show on Foxtel in Australia, but possibly HBO or somewhere else like that, uh, elsewhere in the world. And I'd really give it a go if you like science fiction um, set in the modern day. It's very interesting. Um, try and get past the first couple of episodes. Yes, it is uh, uh, something which will screw with your sense of perception. No, no one else knows any more than you. That uncertainty is part of the point. So enjoy Poetry Corner for tonight and I will talk to you again soon. Dr. New, poetry, Dr. New, poetry corner. So we are continuing on our journey through narrative poetry and I found a narrative poem read by Sage on another channel that uh, is perfect um, for uh, today's Poetry Corner um, and it's a, essentially um, a poem that uh, considers from a philosophical viewpoint um, about uh, well, um, moral relativism and religious tolerance. And it's got connections into, uh, um, uh, it connects through to a number of Eastern religions. But uh, I will also uh, read uh, another short narrative poem from Williams William Wordsworth, one of my favourite, favourite poets of all time. So here we go. Begone, thou fond, presumptuous elf, 
exclaimed an angry voice. Nor dare to thrust thy foolish self between me and my choice. A small cascade, fresh, swollen with snows, thus threatened a poor briar rose that, all bespattered with his foam, and dancing high and dancing low, was living, as a child might know, in an unhappy home. Does thou presume my course to block? Off, off, O oh puny thing! I'll hurl thee headlong with the rock to which thy fibres cling. The flood was tyrannous and strong. The patient briar suffered long, nor did he utter groan or sigh, hoping the danger would be past, but, seeing no relief at last, he ventured to reply. Ah, oh, said the briar, blame me not. Why should we dwell in strife? We who in this sequestered spot once lived a happy life. You stirred me on my rocky bed. What pleasure through my veins you spread. The summer long, from day to day, my leaves you freshened and bedewed. Nor was it common gratitude that did your cares repay. When spring came on with bud and bell, among these rocks did I, before you hang my wreaths to tell that gentle days were nigh. And in the sultry summer hours I sheltered you with leaves and flowers, and in my leaves, now shed and gone, the linnet lodged, and for us too, chanted his pretty songs when you had little voice or none. But now proud thoughts are in your breast. What grief is mine, you see. Ay, would you think, even yet how blessed together we might be. Through, though of both leaf and flower bereft, some ornaments to me are left. Rich store of scarlet hips is mine, with which I, in my humble way, would deck you many a winter day, a happy Eglantine. What more he said, I cannot tell. The torrent down the rocky dell came thundering loud and fast. I listened, nor aught else could hear. The briar quaked, and much I fear. These accents were his last. Dr. New, poetry, Dr. New, poetry corner. Well, today we're going to talk about Sylvia Plath. Sylvia Plath uh, is an, uh, was an American poet and novelist. Uh, and uh, she's really interesting because um, more is made in some ways of her um, uh, um, issues that she had with mental health and an abusive husband uh, and her life itself than at her work sometimes, I think. Um, she was a really, really gifted poet. Um, beautiful imagery. Um, some people think some of her poems are very depressing. Um, I don't consider that at all. Um, uh, she is a narrative poet. Um, she So again, we're in the narrative poetry um, uh, ship 
um, and uh, I would invite you to consider the way that she builds the imagery through her poems and I will share two with you tonight uh, and um, probably come back to her at a later date again because uh, it's just lovely. Dirge for a Joker by Sylvia Plath Always in the middle of a kiss came the profane stimulus to cough. Always from the pulpit during service leaned the devil prompting you to laugh. Behind mock ceremony of your grief lurked the burlesque instinct of the ham. You never altered your amused belief that life was a mere monumental sham. From the comic accident of birth to the final grotesque joke of death, your malady of sacrilegious mirth spread gay contagion with every clever breath. Now you must play the straight man for a term and tolerate the humour of the worm. A Winter Ship by Sylvia Plath At this wharf there are no grand landings to speak of. Red and orange barges list and blister, shackled to the dock, outmoded, gaudy, and apparently indestructible. The sea pulses under a skin of oil. A gull holds his pose on a shanty ridge pole, riding the tide of the wind, steady as wood and formal, in jacket of ashes. The whole flat harbour anchored in the round of his yellow eye button. A blimp swims up like a day moon or a tin, cigar over its rink of fishes. The prospect is dull as an old etching. They are unloading three barrels of little crabs the pier pilings seem about to collapse. And with them that rickety edifice of warehouses, derricks, smokestacks and bridges in the distance. All around us the water slips and gossips in its loose vernacular, ferrying the smells of cod and tar. Farther out the waves will be mouthing ice cakes, a poor month for park sleepers and lovers. Even our shadows are blue with cold. We wanted to see the sun come up and are met instead by this ice-ribbed ship, bearded and blown, an albatross of frost, relic of tough weather, every winch and stay, encased in a glassy pellicle. The sun will diminish it soon enough. Each wave tip glitters like a knife. Dr. New, poetry, Dr. New, poetry corner. Today's poet is Maya uh, Angelou and uh, she was born in 1928 and died in 2014. Uh, she was uh, an excellent uh, civil rights activist, uh, American poet. Um, she wrote um, half a dozen or so memoirs, or uh, well, sorry, um, autobiographies, um, 
a bunch of essays, uh, books on poetry, um, plays, music. Her career spans over 50 years um, and she's just an amazing person. Um, I, I recommend, if you don't know her, to look her up um, because um, she had a fascinating life. And her poetry is really evocative. Um, it uh, plays into the kinds of things that she was doing in her life. Um, it uh, has a, a social agenda. Um, it has agendas around um, uh, understanding um, uh, the challenges that women face. Um, and um, it's a, a narrative. It's got philosophy in it, it's got um, a very progressive kind of perspective. So I'm going to share a couple of her poems with you tonight and I hope you like them. Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. Pretty women wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model's size. But when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say, it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man, the fellow stand or fall down on their knees. Then they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. I say, it's the fire in my eyes, and the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist, and the joy in my feet. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say, it's in the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breasts, the grace of my style. I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman, that's me. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud, I say. It's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need of my care. Because I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Life Doesn't Frighten Me by Maya Angelou Shadows on the wall, noises down the hall, life doesn't frighten me at all. Bad dogs barking loud, big ghosts in a cloud, life doesn't frighten me at all. Mean old mother goose, lions on the loose, they don't frighten me at all. Dragons breathing flame on my counterpane, that doesn't frighten me at all. 
I go boo, make them shoo, I make fun, way they run. I won't cry, so they fly, I just smile, they go wild. Life doesn't frighten me at all. Tough guys fight, all alone at night, life doesn't frighten me at all. Panthers in the park, strangers in the dark, no, they don't frighten me at all. That new classroom where boys all pull my hair, kissy little girls with their hair in curls. They don't frighten me at all. Don't show me frogs and snakes and listen for my scream. If I'm afraid at all, it's only in my dreams. I've got a magic charm that I keep up my sleeve. I can walk the ocean floor and never have to breathe. Life doesn't frighten me at all. Not at all, not at all. Life doesn't frighten me at all.